Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. You can put your money to work by automating your savings and investments. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. My name's Andrew, Marcus, Melanie, John, welcome. What's going on, guys? Howdy. Man, what's going on? You know, President's Day, just chilling. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. How about that? Yeah, not bad. So that's a good pivot point so, for the... So at the, President's Day, do presidents get extra... What, what does a president get on the actual I know, what do they get? Off? It's like their birthday. Do you send them a cake? That's what I'm, that's what I'm, kind of what I'm asking. Is I, is it I two, do they get two birthdays? Yeah, I just... I a guess good question. So. <laughs> send them, like, do you send them cards? You know yeah, yeah them, I guess... Yeah. yeah, you get like a presidential birthday, you know? Well, Right for, for when you were I mean, in office. It, if you're alive and you're the president, today is your day, today is your day. Yeah, maybe it's like a leap year thing where it's every four years. What's up? <laughs> oh, that's smart. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, right? We come up with all kinds of stuff. But my point, I, you know, I don't know. I, maybe they get extra presents or something like that. They don't have to pay for a meal. Yeah, I don't, they probably don't have to do that anyways. But <laughs> it's cool to be an American. We come up with all <laughs> kinds of cool days like this, and I, you know. I think they should enjoy it if they weren't exactly. If they weren't aware of that, they should have been. Well, since it is a holiday, I got a question for you guys. What is the best way to end a long day? The best way to end? I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm like 90 years old. Um, I'm <laughs> literally crocheting at the end of the night. <laughs> That's your favorite. That's your, it's all good. I, I love that you do that. Now. Like I mean, dude, we shifted into like I'm an old dude now, I, bro. I'm wearing freaking overalls right now. Okay. And we were driving down the road from the church the other day, and she was over there uh, crocheting, crocheting. Yeah, in the car. Can you believe that? <laughs> so we're so old, and um, it was just my birthday. So I mean, another year older, and I'm I'm acting like double my age. What do you got? Mine is 100 like having a good meal. I love uh, like barbecuing, so just getting outside. Smelling the smoke, like getting into something good and sharing that with family. There's nothing better than that. You're right. That's a brand. It's <laughs> kind of a brand new concept for me because it, it was in waves for me. But the barbecue and coming on that that stage in my life was fantastic. Actually, it came on during quarantine. And um, think about it. Like we go into restaurants and pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for somebody to whip something up in, a, in an hour or so, if yeah. not quicker. Like them dudes that work in the barbecue pits are on there all night, all day. 
to, to make that into perfection. You don't look at it like yeah. that, but it's the most finely cooked dish there is because it's hard to maintain that for sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I've been like, I've been cheating. Like you Texas boys are probably going to give me some crap, but I'm using a Traeger um, for my stuff. But, uh, you know, it gets me outside, gets me eating something good. So I'm all into it. Well, you still have to, you still have to tend to that thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we have one too. And I, if I need to like cook some for the, it depends on why you're doing it. I think like, to, and, and the only, the, the best argument about against the Traegers is like, Hey man, you're taking the country boy out of the country kind of deal. You know, yeah. it's, it's to work the fire because then you got, and check it. It's like this, man, it gives you an opportunity to get out of the house and away from everybody. And if they oh, yeah. take that away by electronics, where's your ass going to go? Like I love going, getting the firewood and coming back and, and working the and maintaining the coals and all stuff like that. But as far the as Traeger, I have an app and I'll tell him because yeah. it's on my phone, and so I'll tell him like, okay, and the it, it works. That thing works, is man. Like at whatever degree, so he knows. It'll cook this man. It cooks it great. Yeah, for convenience, it's amazing. Convenient, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, if you don't want to learn that, there's a thing with, with learning the craft, right? I mean, there there absolutely is getting out there and learning how how that Traeger was actually built. I guess is yeah. the best way it would say that. As far as winding down the day, I think your day should wind down just like it winds up. Like I just recently picked up coffee drinking. <laughs> so my wife and I would get up like, I, you know, that's like a whole ritual. I understand why people do it. Like sit around and kind of time to think. The wife and I get the kids ready. I take them to school, come back, and we'll go on a walk or a bike ride or something like that. So it's almost a, as like you, and that that in itself will propel you into to noon. Right, and then you got the downside, yeah. and the meals are the best. Mm -hmm. Imagine that your whole day revolves around that ending, that that last meal, and then after that, mm -hmm. have some place you can rest your ass and for a comfort while. And, and the shower is key for me. Yeah, like if I don't shower at the end of the day, that means my, my day never ended. Mm -hmm. In my head, and my yeah, yeah, it's just it has to, and that comes back from training. My it means my days haven't haven't ended yet. It tells my body like it acts. It's the weirdest thing, but like if I can calm down and then. Have those couple hours at the end of the day to where you wind off of everything that wound you up, like the computer cycle and and and, and all that. And that's hard to do at a certain age. It is when she was saying that we're at the, at this age now. Man, routines are the best, bro. Yeah. I mean, because you any part of the day that drops in the middle of it, it's all right. Because mm -hmm. I can get through that chaos as long as I can get to the other routine where she's sitting at. Yeah. And then it becomes yeah. a reward. Oh, and there's this. Like, if you really like to do something, put that thing on the worst day, like Monday. And that way you have mm -hmm. something to look forward to on a Monday. Right? And then, because there, <laughs> there's got to be at least seven things you absolutely love to do and eat. Or, or, and, and that's how you, you kind of start to enjoy the day. It's like, man, what's today? Oh, I get to do this. And, 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 and life will kind of guide things to put in, in the middle of that and, and, and change those little love those loves right it's a love i mean when you because you get to do it and then it, that's how tradition gets started because yep, i passed yeah. pass down to my kid like on sundays man we had to the water burger drop the tailgate even if it's freezing yeah <laughs> i mean dude just freezing outside we're out there just i'm like you're right son he can't even talk yeah. they always get a milkshake yeah and a milkshake yeah. of course man a milkshake sunday at, at the drive throughs <laughs> man we'll just sit there and people watch Oh, that's the best. Nothing like people watching. Man. Yeah. Oh, man. I love to make up a full life story for everybody you just make, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. You ready for this? Was that our Patreon? 100%. Is it? Okay. Yeah. What I, what, 
what else? You got? It, I'm trying to think. I, I, there's nothing to think, like man, taking. I know girls always talk about taking their. Think, man, you go to bed every day at night. What do you do? Girls, girls talk about taking their bras off. I enjoy kicking my boots off. If I've been in my boots all day long, just that feeling of like, okay, boots are off. Socks are off. I'm in the house. I can finally just like, yeah. you know, recenter, chill out. I've gotten better about turning my computer off at the end of the day. Uh, that's kind of hard for me. I like to just work whenever I'm feeling creative, but I'm trying to like get better about closing that down, yeah. being present, spending time with Kara, you know, making sure she knows like we got to have some top quality time. I love her. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Admit that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On air. On air. <laughs> she can play it back. It's in public now. Yes. That's the thing. Andrew loves Kara. Yes. I, I, I think that's why they invented the recliner. <laughs> that's a, Oh, yeah. And the kids are best. I mean, I started doing this. Hey, boy, I'm going to have my boots off. <laughs> <Take> yeah. my <laughs> boots off. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's I mean, something I, about getting in a really comfy pair of jammies, too. Oh, yeah, just chilling out. Yeah. It's like, this, the, those are the clothes that <laughs> bear the belt off. They only just... touch you in a certain spot, right? Yeah. It's kind of like when you, you can move inside of them. And, yeah, rolling back like that, and that's a thing. That You can end your day like that. Yes. Watching a game show... Passed out. Oh, we like Family Feud. Yeah, passing out in that oh, recliner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like where she asked me, she's like, "Get up, you need to go to bed." I'm like, "Ah, oh, okay." Yeah, <laughs> I got my first ever recliner this year, and it feels incredible. See, you're getting old. I'm like getting us. old, like you. Guys. <laughs> Write the stuff down, bud. We got all kinds of information for you. We, yeah, I'm learning today. how to live. How to live. Yeah. We have got a great guest in store. Robert Paler graduated from UC Berkeley and is winning the fight to walk again after suffering a spinal cord injury in 2017 while playing rugby. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pumped about this. Yeah, you too, man. You got crazy never quit stories. So you're going to have to kind of set the stage, take us way back. Why don't you kind of talk about your childhood before we get into that day in 2017? Yeah, 100%. So childhood, born and raised over here in the Sacramento Valley. Um, hot, hot summers and sports. Whereas like what I was dealing with, I loved sports, specifically contact sports. Um, so grew up mostly playing football. And then once I got into high school, I found the sport of rugby. Now, rugby in America is like totally niche, right? I don't even know. Like, yeah. Have you all ever seen a rugby game? Or, oh, yeah. Um, so uh, go ahead, babe. I have not. The, the university yeah. that I went to, some of my fraternity brothers, they, they played rugby. And the, yeah. the, the academy that I train at, at Exos, they had some rugby guys there from Argentina. Uh -huh. so, and uh -huh. this year, yeah. they, they were from there. They have rugby at Sam Houston? Yeah. Really? Yeah. We're getting the best fights against them dudes, man. They're talking about some brawls. <laughs> they come rolling in. Woo! Big old group. Oh, dude. They roll in a pack. It's awesome. Go ahead. No, man. yeah. Houston has a um, has a pro team now. Yeah. Um, over there at the Sabercats. Yeah, I got a couple buddies out there playing. But um, anyway, so I found the sport through my high school. So I went to Jesuit High School over here in SAC. And uh, it's the best rugby program historically. I can't remember if we're at the 10 national championship level, uh, maybe 11 now that's with the team being created around 1999. So there's a lot of success with that program. Now I of course like had a lot of desire to be a part of something like that. I mean, who doesn't want to have hardware on their fingers and just be a part of something that great. And I was playing football and basketball at the time. And here I am, like I'm a measly six, five, Dude, and we had guys on the age above me who are like 6'10, 6'8. They went over to play D1 sports. So just being real realistic, I was thinking maybe even if I do make the team, I probably don't think I'm gonna be getting on the on the court that much. And so I wanted to find another sport. I didn't want to just be a one sport athlete. 
with football. So all my buddies said, you know, Robert, come out and try rugby. Like you're a good athlete. You like hitting people and we've got the sport for you. We're, we're very good. And you could find yourself probably have a starting role and doing pretty well on this team. So kind of made the leap of faith, stopped playing basketball, started playing rugby. And man, I just fell in love with it. Now I had to like learn how to play the sport because it's very different from football. You know, it's continuous. I mean, it's 80 minutes of continuous play. You get halftime off and that's it. So like I show up and we have like a little 10 minute inner squad scrimmage. I'm like in the first couple of weeks and I'm thinking, you know, ref blows his whistle and you go right. That's the football mentality. And like two minutes into it, I was just like wheezing, like hands on my knees, um, just suffering, dying through it. But thinking that I have never had more fun in my life. Like football, I always have my hand in the dirt. Now in rugby, like I'm getting the ball, I'm getting active, I'm able to score. Um, I was just having so much fun with this game. And if that brought me to get recruited by UC Berkeley University of California, um, which has traditionally the most successful rugby program in the United States, about 33 national championships. Um, I think the only team that's got more championships than that in any sport is the Harlem Globetrotters and their games are rigged. So we're doing all right. And <laughs> hey, I, I sure was pumped. Big fan of the Globetrotters here, man. Yeah. Love them guys. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing against them. Nothing against them. We're, uh, we're just, we're sitting at number two right below them. No, no, I, I, I get it. But that's the humor in athletics. That, that's what comes yeah. with uh, being in the in in that athletic realm too. Yeah, people get intimidated by that because what they see is is the the outcome of of all the practices and and the 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 times of being uncomfortable with each other and the embarrassment and everything like that. It's, I guess, when you know, a lot of times people look at that, and they don't think that that's part of it, but it, it very much is. I was telling some of my athletes, I was like, hey, man. If you don't look like a fool when you're practicing, you're not practicing. All right, man. I, mm-hmm. I mean, because we either – you don't practice till you get good. You practice till you're just not bad at it. Yeah. Whereas, and it goes to different levels. And, and what happens is when you're around guys and, and the girls like that, when you train hard enough, it like rising tide lifts all the boats. All somebody has to do is shine a little bit on one end. Just show a little bit of glimmer or something. And everybody will be like, mm-hmm. oh, I got it. I got it. it. It can't help but do that. All that has to be there is the bond. You're talking about rugby. Some of my closest buddies, one played for Navy, one played for North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, he, uh, what what they learned, man, coming in is like a lot of times those rugby programs out here where it's not real big are hidden in small at universities. But, man, they're the ones that really turn out well because they don't have yeah. – they're not competing against somebody else. They're just competing against each other and having fun with it and then learning from by watching kind of deal. And it just mm-hmm. bleeds over. And all you have to do is just go hang out at a, a tournament or, or where, where a bunch of – everyone is hanging out and and learning the rules, how, how the game is played. Once you get that, it's like hitting that golf shot perfect for the first time. I mean, and that happens early in your life. Like, actually, the third or fourth try, you're like, oh, I could be a professional golfer. Did you see how I hit that? (laughs) They don't realize that's just the one thing that kind of pulls you in. And it just kind of leads you along. And next thing you know, you're like, man, I can't take this anymore. I'm losing my mind. And then something else miraculous will happen. And that, 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 that happens, man, by just loving what you're doing. Yeah, that that's sports. And um, another thing that's so cool about rugby, you kind of been touching about it, is like the community aspect. So I know at least for me, like growing up playing football, you know, you go out there, you really gotta you gotta develop a hard mindset, um, taking the field. You're you're about to do something that's going to be difficult. Uh, you gotta give it your all with someone else who's putting their all 
against you, like trying to make you physically quit, trying to physically beat you. And that can kind of harden you to the opponent. And, you know, rugby, like, of course we have that. We go out there, we compete our best. It's a very physical game, but afterwards it's so much more social. So it's total tradition, um, no matter what level you're at to get together, like share a meal, like once you're 21, bend some beers, like have fun. And oh. you're talking to some guy like, yeah, you're Man, like, that's how worlds get conquered. Yeah. Cause when dudes like, so when you, when you start practicing, like practicing like that and, yeah. and the level of intensity goes up, if you know that like you could take this as far as you want, Right. And then the guys that are willing to go through that, each pain level produces an outcome in, in the uh, in comedy. Like when you're sitting yeah. there and you're actually and what it does is it changes the way you talk about things and how you see things. And you know that they'll get it because, man, you've been through the fire. Hell, you standing right there with them. And it starts with the, the ability just to play sports. When we come into this world, man, we're looking for something like that to do. And if, if in any capacity, if you can compete with each other against each other. I mean, that, that, that's the ultimate lesson. How many players are on the field? It's 15 aside. So that's like traditional rugby. Now, if you watch the Olympics, um, more like really popular new American uh, in America, the version of rugby is sevens. So that's played seven aside. But again, that's new. new. Like the old school rugby is 15 players aside. And what's so cool about it too is there's something for every body type. So, you know, me, like my body type when I was playing in college, I was like 6'5", 240. So kind of like a tight end body type and skill set too. Like I'd be good in contact, but I also have to have good hands, be able to play like a finesse player sometimes. And then you can get a person who's like, you know, 5'4", maybe 150 pounds, like little scrawny guy. Um, and that's probably going to be the scrum half. And he's going to be doing a lot of like ball distributing, telling us big guys where to go, stuff like that. Um, so you got, you know, tall guys, skinny guys, um, you know, short guys, fat guys. I mean, everybody out there on that field has got something to do. And, um, and the way that you like put that all together on the field, is just like an orchestra. I mean, it's just like complete harmony when you can take all those little pieces and the things that people are good at and make that into a well-rented machine. It's kind of like the SEAL teams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one one for me. Yeah. Like everyone thinks perfection looks like it's actually imperfection. So you take a perfect puzzle and smash that yeah. thing into the pieces. That's it. That's the perfection right there is the yeah. imperfection hit it, man. And I, and it's right. Cause you got the guy, like big guys like us, man, we can block some freaking gaps. Right. But then there'll mm. always be that one son of a gun, dude. I always heard this like trains run on rails and dynamite comes in small packages. Yep. Because there's some guys, the, like the smart kids, who, who try to who can play that like, work angles. Like they can see an angle that we can't because we're big. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, sometimes like you throw me in the open field, you got some like fast guy, a lot of space on both sides. I mean, he's drooling. He's Bro. just thinking, I'm going to make Robert look like a fool right now <laughs> trying to run after me. And, you know, if it's if it's short and condensed and, and I got like two meters to go and run into some person, then, you know, then I'm running the dueling. I'm doing the dueling because I'm just trying to go straight over. Yeah. yeah, strength. Well, and it brings out, and the, the best part about it, man, is is each one of those players brings out that weakness in our strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd never be able to apply it unless that joker showed up. Are you tackling each other? Oh, man, that's like mm -hmm. the worst sport ever, dude. Man, it's like hardcore. <laughs> man. It's like guys who straight off the battlefield yeah. or it's actually being on the battlefield. They just took all your weapons away, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, pretty much. Pretty your ball. much. Hey, you guys, yeah. we're killing each other. Here's a ball. Probably is it like football and soccer combined? Perfect. 
Yeah, and bas- yeah. Yeah, basketball, because you got to dribble that sucker. I mean, it's got... You have to dribble it? Well, so you There's just- no dribble. So you can use your feet a bit. I thought you had so to bounce it's- that sucker once you, after, if you run a certain amount of steps. Don't you have to bounce it? That'd be wheelchair rugby. Um, you do have to do that. and But that, it's kind of different from the sport of like able-bodied 15s rugby. Oh, yeah. I, um, I could have well, swore I saw some rugby games where like if they run a certain amount of steps, you have to throw that down thing on the ground and try and catch it back up. Is that not... Right. Uh, that's not this rugby. It life. might be a similar like different rugby. sport. <laughs> different earth. Yeah. Sorry. That was something on YouTube. <laughs> One of the multiverse. No. That's right. No, but like, you know, the way I explain it, yeah, it's it's a lot like football in the way that it's played. Um, in terms, it's it's a lot of contact. Um, it's almost like football if you couldn't block and you couldn't throw the ball forward. So it's all lateral or backwards passes. Um, and you're like I said, you can't block. So you won't see people ever going in front of the ball carrier. That'd be a penalty. They're more like in a support position. So they're trying to spread that field out, spread the defense out, find the gaps, hit those gaps. And if there isn't any gaps, then try and like, try and just like punch it up a lot, like suck the defense in. Um, but yeah, with each one of these plays, someone's going in and tackling and you all probably know there's no pads. I mean, you got your mouth guard and your cleats, your jersey, your shorts, and, and that's it. Um, and that's what's so cool about the game. And I mean, even, you know, my injuries certainly tip the scales in terms of my injuries in, in sports, but um, it's it's been a pretty safe game for me too. I mean, I, I won't lie, you get pretty banged up and bruised, but having that mindset of if I torpedo myself into some person with my head down, it's going to hurt me too. Uh, that gets you out there, you know, playing safe. We value form and um, helping other players too. Oh yeah, there's respect. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. You get so, you get some guy out there trying to just bust everybody down. That, they get tuned up quick. Yeah, no, you'll you'll, you'll take care of that yeah. another way. You can see them guys. I mean, yeah. the, the best is when if you actually look, because there's, there's a difference between looking at something, seeing it, and watching it, right? So when when you're sitting there and you can see those guys, they don't have a neck, right? It's kind of yeah. like they got the wrinkles back there. They're that, those yeah. are, those are bulls. Like their body is designed and postured to ram stuff. You can just tell. I mean, and they yeah. don't get hurt no matter what they run into. Like a ju- it's like a juggernaut. Pretty and much. Then you got yeah, guys who got them dangly ass necks, man. They get snapped right in half. They they mess around with them when they're not supposed to. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yep. there's definitely a respect in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's like part of what I was talking about. Like how we all like get together afterwards and um, you know, bend beers and share a meal, stuff stuff like that. It's like we we're talking about best way to end a day. That's that's the way you end a day playing rugby and um and then today like we all have to look out for each other and you know we might talk about a bit like how how i wasn't looked after and how that's led to the last four and a half years of this battle that i've been facing um but but like so that's a few bad apples like that's not the sport of rugby and if i woke up tomorrow and i was completely able-bodied like i'd be looking for someone to put my shoulder into it sure. too i just i love that sport yeah so you get recruited to UC Berkeley, right? To play. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. Let's pick up from there. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So I get recruited to Cal. Um, and my dreams are like happening at this point, right? You know, right once I started playing at Jesuit, this school Jesuit has been kind of traditionally a feeder program into Cal uh, because it's a very successful high school, two hours away from the Bay Area. A lot of people get feeded in. So, you know, when we're in high school, everyone's kind of looking around and seeing who's going to get the pat on the shoulder to go play for Cal, to go win some national championships, go to the number one public university in the world. 
and uh, and really excel at the sport. And I was the one who got my shoulder tapped. Um, so I found myself there, like freshman year. I talk about that whole thing of going like you know a fish in a small pond to the fish in the big pond. I mean, it couldn't have been a more accurate uh, description of that analogy. Everybody on that team was the MVP from their high schools. Um, oh, sure. They're the captains. Yeah. yeah. I mean, That's it's humbling. It's, yeah. It's really humbling. Cause for me too, like I trained, you know, with the, with the team, but I didn't do a ton of stuff on my own. Like I was just kind of like naturally gifted. <laughs> so and you, got, yeah, you have gifts then, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in high school that works. And right. yeah, you know, that, I, they I, separate I really those on well. purpose. And it's like each level, mm-hmm. man, when you run into them, that that's by design. Yeah. That'll yeah. Happen so your whole, that'll happen your whole life. Yeah, pretty much every athletic thing that I ever did. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was just I showed up and, and I was set. You know, I could I could run fast enough, I was strong enough to do well in contact. Then I show up to Cal and man, it's not the case. I mean, all these people are putting in hours because um everybody wants that starting spot where a lot of us are ambitious people and the best player is gonna play. Um, bar none. It doesn't matter who your daddy is or you know, what your creed is, it matters how well you play rugby. Yeah. So I showed up, you know, and at first I was bottom of the totem pole, just kind of putting in my time, getting in my work to, to maybe the next year be able to break through. And it paid off. Um, I was starting at the lock position, um, which is kind of like, to explain that it's sort of like the workhorse on the team. Um, we don't get the ball a lot. We don't score a lot. Mostly what we're doing is cleaning stuff up, making tackles that other people don't want to make. I and mean, here's a real crazy thing. They'll lift us like above their heads. So almost like a cheerleader formation, they'd grab me um, by my legs and right under my butt and throw me up in the air to like grab inbounds or kickoff, stuff like that. Super cool part of the sport. Um, but I was doing well with it. You know, I'm starting as a sophomore, not an easy or common thing to do on a team like that. Um, things are just going my way. And, uh, you know, then we make it to this national championship game versus Arkansas State. Arkansas State is not traditionally known for being one of the one of the best rugby programs um, in the nation. I don't know if they've ever won a national championship on that day. We're fighting for our 31st. So there's very much like a been there, done that kind of mentality. We're not like lighting our hair on fire going out there on the field. We've got a solid game plan. We're composed. You know, we're ready. We're excited. Um, but we have a real, real strategy behind this. Um, but I mean, this was, this was a dream coming true for me. Anybody who's playing a sport always thinks about going out on national television and playing for a national championship. And then one day pointing to a banner on the wall, ring on the finger to their, to their kids one day, and just explaining what that meant. And you know, all the stories um, shared to be a national champion. Cause when you win something like that, you're not just a national champion for a day, you're a national champion for your whole life. So this was a day of legacy. Is right? this your sophomore so year? So I show up. Yeah. Sophomore year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sophomore year. Sure, man. That, that changes you. That, that's like a, that's like getting a degree. Mm-hmm. Only you can yeah. feel it. I mean, so people would ask us, hey, man, if you, when you get your seal tried and when they, when they pin that sucker on you, 
you're an you're an absolute. That's when you become a Navy SEAL for sure. Mm-hmm. Were you a Navy mm-hmm. SEAL the day before that? Ah, you know, no, you weren't. Just like you weren't a national championship before. Somebody has to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. be identified by, and then everyone has to see somebody else. And I mean, like witnesses, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that in itself will change the complete dynamic and human behavior in your head. Oh, yeah. It shifts everything. Yeah. Right The minute that happens, it's like, man, I mean, it's like an accomplishment thing where your mind, your body, and your spirit just figured out, oh, I can do something. Yeah. And what you can do with those them guys you run around with. That's a real mm-hmm. thing. That's why there's, it's like stepped out through life like that. Some people call them rewards. I mean, there's, it's, it's milestones, whatever. And then there's the chase in that. Imagine if you were supposed to be designed to be something even before birth. And then life's going to freaking beat you into that. <laughs> no matter yeah. what. All right. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it is. And because life is its own thing. It's a mill, right? And then when you step mm-hmm. into that sucker, it sharpens your ass. And I mean, when there's, with me and you, man, there's been sparks flying and we've been screaming and everything's been broken, busted. And you're like, man, what, you know, how sharp are we? I, I doubt myself all the time with how razor sharp I am. You know, I, I am a, a blunt instrument. We'll go with that, <laughs> right? I mean, I still beat, beat you to death for, for sure. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. So my point with that is like, hey, man, that that's designed that way for a reason. That's why everyone acknowledges it. Even if you don't even know what the sport is, someone sees national championship playing, you're like, all right, I'll pay attention because them dudes yeah. are good at that. Okay, set the stage for the national championship. Are you getting along with your teammates and your coach and you've got this good camaraderie with everybody? Y'all feel good? 100%. 100%. Yeah, our, our coach is there. Um, I were, were, I was so blessed to be able to play for a program like that. So our head coach is uh, Jack Clark. Our coach Clark is the number one winningest head coach for the United States international team. And then the number two winningest head coach is um, coach Phillips, who is our associate head coach. So you have, I mean, you have some of the greatest coaches in any sport, any level um, here on the Cal rugby program. So we have, we have a really strong culture, a really strong set of values um, that that's what guides us to perform well on the rugby field, but in everything else that we do, I mean, that's the thing that we take with us. It's not, you know, the memories of, of running gassers or scoring tries, making tackles. It's those values that turned us into a high performing team like that. Yeah. So uh, we were, we were really competing. Well, we were, I, I, I think most of us kind of thought that this was like a 99% chance we were going to win this game. Um, and I'm thinking it's just going to be the best day of my life. Right. You're, you're talking about it, Marcus, and just how much, how much it means. And, you put in like all this effort all year. Um, it all comes down to this one moment. So here the moment is. And you know, I remember like all those little things like getting up and like eating breakfast. And I could like barely get anything in my stomach. Like I'm just nervous. I'm excited. And um, busting over to Santa Clara where we were playing that day at Steven Stadium and that locker room environment. Our guys are getting taped up, like that low murmur chatter going on. Like it's just intense. Like oh, you're looking at each a, other. It creates a presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, man, if you know when you walk into a room, man, and you can feel if somebody walks in, they'll suck the energy right out of it. Mm-hmm. You know when you walk into that locker room, if you're going to be the national championship, because you can feel it. Mm-hmm. There's not when mm-hmm. doubt, when doubt kind of creeps in. That's one thing. When anger comes in, if you're the baddest thing in the universe or the weakest thing, if you're in a room together, you freaking know it. Yeah, that that, that comes mm-hmm. with that, man. That that and you you 
you can pull that energy into you. That's why when people get fired up when you when we're, when someone's around, you're like, oh, that guy right there will fire me up like you can't even freaking believe, man. It's yeah. a real thing. People just they, yeah. they 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 are scared to acknowledge it, but yeah, it happens, man. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So and we're feeling good in that locker room, um, but I mean it's intense. Like you got guys who are who are throwing up in a trash can. We got in the middle of the room. I mean, this is big. This is this is not just about us, like these players. This is about the hundred hundred plus years of Cal rugby players that have been striving for this culture. And um, I mean, it's it's a real legacy. It's it's definitely fighting for something greater than yourself. And uh, so I trot out there on the field. Uh, we win the coin toss. So we elect to kick the ball off. You know, we want to like hit him first. So I remember like ref raises his arm. He blows his whistle. I'm just sprinting down that field. Like pour your guts out here, Robert. Just give it all you've got. Last game of the year. Make this happen. So the other team commits a penalty and we do what's called kicking it into touch. So we have like an inbounds situation essentially, which is where we do one of those line outs that I was talking to you about. We have like two tunnels of players, our team, the other team. And then our player throws the ball in the middle of that tunnel. What we do is try to get big guys up there in the air quick, time it out um, to secure that ball and start moving forward. Obvious mauling situation. Now, a maul in rugby, because we're five meters out, is when the bigger guys, we get together in the single unit, we start pushing to advance the ball. Kind of like in football when a running back gets stood up and you see all the linemen like yeah. piling there and they start moving that pile. That's when a maul is in rugby. We're just a little more organized about it. And um, this was like my moment, right? And I was saying I was a big dude, you know, 6'5", 240 at, at 20 years old. I was just put on this earth to move people, just moving people that don't want to be moved. So we're five meters out from scoring. I mean, I'm like drooling here on this field thing. Let's go, Rob, drive this thing in. And then as I do this, these opposing players, they start making these illegal moves and the referee's not calling anything. So first three players enter in from the side of this mall, which is not something you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come straight in, but ref doesn't call it. Now, first player who comes in, he binds my head in this headlock. You know, he's like pinning my chin down in my chest. Now in rugby, this is an automatic yellow or red card. Ref blows his whistle, you're out. But the ref's not doing anything in this situation. But yeah, you know, I've got a job to do, right? I'm not going to just stand up and throw my hands in the air and say, what's going on? I'm, I'm going to drive this thing in. National championship, right? Pour it all out there. So I keep going. And this other player, he gets me down by my legs. So I start falling forward. And this guy, he's he's just like torquing his weight down. You can see it in the pictures and videos and anything looking back to where my, my chin is just pinned down. I can't get my head back up. So when I hit the ground, face goes into the or top of my head, goes in the turf, body keeps going forward. Mm. And then my nose just like slams against my chest. Oh. And it was just like poof. Oh my gosh. I, mean, I couldn't feel anything. I could not move anything. I just kind of instinctually tried to pop back up because that's, you know, that's kind of what happens in sports. You start just running on instinct a lot. And uh, immediately I knew how bad it was. I had broken plenty of bones um, just playing sports throughout my life. I knew that I had just broken my neck and the lights were totally off. It was just that buzzing sensation, you know, yeah. when you're like, let's say you wake up from a nap on the couch and like hands falling asleep. It was that, but it was everywhere. And I just started screaming. Um, I was just like screaming as loud as I could. I broke my neck. I can't move. And oh they're still gosh. playing around me, actually. Oh like gosh. that's how crazy rugby can be sometimes, is um, they just let the game continue to go on. So medical staff sprints over to me and I'm kind of I'm like on my stomach, 
face pointed off to the left. They just called in the medical staff and, uh, you know, they're asking like, Rob, what's wrong? And I'm like, I broke my fucking neck. I can't move. And, you know, they just like look at each other. I just won't forget like the look on their face when they just said like, he thinks he broke his neck. So anyways, we score on them just like a minute later. So then finally like play has stopped and they start running all their tests. You know, they're, they're, they put their finger in my hand. They're like, Robert, like squeeze my finger. Like do everything you can. I mean, I'm giving everything. I'm scared out of my mind. Right. I mean, just all I can do. And there's nothing they're saying, uh, you know, Robert, close your eyes. Like, can you feel this? Can you feel that? I mean, literally just like rushing, like my chest fingers, toes, like nothing. It's horrible. I, uh, I remember my parents go out there on the field because they were there on that day. Right. And I mean, my whole life, I just, I tried to make them proud. You know, I tried to try to be like a good kid, strong kid. Um, you get, get knocked down and you get up again and just keep going. And man, I was on my back and there was nothing I could do. Like I could not be strong for them. And I remember my dad kneeled down to the right. He, he grabbed my hand. I couldn't feel it. And my mom behind me, um, and they were just saying, Robert, we will never leave you. We love you so much. Um, we will always be by your side. And all I could say was just, I love you more than anything in the world throughout all my tears and everything. But I mean, my mind's running wild, right? Um, I mean, I'm thinking I'm probably never going to play rugby again, which is soul crushing because this is the thing that made me feel the most alive. Um, and now it seems like that's gone, but I'm thinking, am I ever going to be able to like even see my friends or like walk or feed myself? Like I can barely even breathe. So I get stretched off this field and then I go over to the hospital in Santa Clara they stick me in the MRI tube, you know, CT scans, x-rays, all that stuff. And then the doctor comes back. He's just got a bad look on his face and he just puts it very bluntly. He's like, Robert, I hate to see stuff like this happen, but sports like rugby are dangerous. And um, you have to start that, being huh? really, yeah, you got to be realistic right now. And that reality is you will never walk again. You're never going to move your hands and we're going to do our best. So you can do something like pick up a piece of pizza and bring it to your face one day. And if you can do something like that, then you made it and you beat the odds. And then he also recommends surgery to me, spinal fusion surgery. I ruptured the disc in between my C5, six vertebrae into my spinal cord. Yeah. I fracturing on the C5 and C6 vertebrae too. And um, they needed to stabilize that region. They said that if I didn't, uh, my injury would probably only get worse. Like I would have even more of a bleak outcome, but it was a potentially life-threatening surgery. A lot of important real estate right here. My body was already very deconditioned at that point. Um, you know, going under the knife and an area that that uh, that's serious, like the spinal cord. He said there was a chance that I might not wake up. So I started calling my buddies. Uh, my brother held my phone in front of my face. And I started calling my best friends, and uh, I just I just wanted to let them know what happened and that I love them. And it was probably like a three minute conversation, and you know that. Maybe I might never see them again, but you know, if I don't, that that they know that I love them, and uh, and then I call my religious advisor because I'm a man of faith. Um, I just uh, it's the most important thing to me in my life, and in this moment, like I didn't have a lot. I needed prayers, like I needed God. So I call my religious advisor to have a priest come out, give me the sacrament of anointing the sick, and before he hangs up the phone, he gives me this little piece of advice, and it's just like carried me, and he said, Robert. Thought his journey is gonna be a lot of things that you just can't control, but the one thing you do have control over is your mindset. 
So your positivity around this, your willingness to wake up every day and fight is up to you. This injury can't take that away from you. And my mindset just completely changed right there that it wasn't that victim mentality. It wasn't, you know, oh, the doctor said this, that's what's going to determine my life. These are the odds. These are the statistics. Like, no, I have to keep moving forward. I have to go into the surgery. I have to just give it all I've got. And, um, yeah, that's when this challenge began. First of all, everyone digs scars. That's the thing. (laughs) And when you go in there and mess around, I remember when I started busting up my neck too, like, yeah. One, two, death's coming for you. Three, four, you can't shut the door. Five, six, you can't pick up sticks. Seven, yeah. kind of that whole nursery rhyme. I remember that. I remember yeah. hearing that. But check it out. You're not supposed to show back up with what you got issued at <laughs> all. That's a rule. All right, for guys mm-hmm. like us, you're different. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're figuring that part out. And I had to go through every ounce of pain I ever had to go through just to have the privilege to talk to you. Like, I had to go my route, you had to go yours. And if something that they pull away from you in the beginning like that is not a dis- disability, it's a distinct ability. That's how, it's the only way you can open that up. Mm-hmm. There are keys and there's to, to unlock every door. And a key to unlock something inside of you is a lot of times it's breaking the lock. Yeah. All right? I mean, it's like breaking that sucker open. That's what that means. In reality, people look at all of that, I mean, and it's tough. But what it does is it uh, – this one guy is like, man – what is when oh he, he lost his legs he's like well, what happened he's like man i guess i was running away from god he took him away from me he said that <laughs> and i mean no he said to a buddy my, my buddy michael yeah <laughs> he goes well, yeah. i didn't even know what to say when he said that to me yeah. but check it out what that does is it, it, it everything that you loved and what was going into it sometimes you get your you can get so ahead of your game in itself that your game will shut parts of yourself down so you, everyone else can benefit from what you've already learned. Yeah. It's like those have to work together, mind, body, and spirit. You feed each one of them, and they get on this equilibrium, right? If you've gotten one pulled away from you, then that means you didn't need – You know, it's like you've worked past all that, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. you, your job is to equalize everybody else around you. Mm-hmm. Every motivational book ever freaking written ain't written by somebody who didn't go through any kind of motivating stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah mean, I mean, you got to go through something brutal. Too. I mean, it's it's got to be tough. Like it's it's not going to be something you know glorious and um, easy to do. I mean, the great opportunity comes from great challenges, great adversity. Now, it was really hard to see it that way from the beginning, right? Oh, sure. I mean, it's like you know, when someone. Well, when, you, I mean, what would be the point if yeah, you could see it? Right. I, I'm saying totally. all the time, people ask us, "Hey, man, would you go back through that again?" Your your response better be hell no, because <laughs> that means you didn't learn anything. But then right. you can understand. There's the other side of you who goes, "Well, of course, I'd have to. I'd absolutely start where I, I need to start. I'd start all over again. If I knew that I was gonna be able to sit right next to her talking to you about this with these two jokers in the back, I'd have been like, all right, let's do it, man. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the spice. That's that. I mean, at the age you're at right now, and how." Uh, just because one thing is shut down, it, it doesn't mean it's closed off. We're in a completely different realm now. I mean, everything's possible down here. You know that because you can grab that iPhone and touch something and it'll show up to the door. Our, our billionaires are measuring their libidos by their freaking rocket ships and not their yachts anymore. All right? Yeah. I've seen some things out there that, that, that'll just are mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's amazing. All it takes is that mindset that you have. It's almost like you you have to have the 
the, both of those abilities to get beat up mentally, physically. I mean, just so something else can be born. Mm-hmm. It's not just mindset, mm-hmm. though. It's faith, too. And the fact that he was able to receive the anointing of the sick. I mean, he had Jesus was with him in that moment. And the faith like that is that plus mindset can get anybody through anything. Oh. But you have to have both of those things. Well, that's absolutely one percent. That's why she says it that way, because mind those are three different things. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like water, ice, and air. They're all different, but they're the same. So check it. A lot of people come in. You check into this world. You're a body person, an athlete. Like, why did you go to that workout? Why that school? Why that program? Some people are are, are mind. Why why those books? Why that college? Why do you always study this stuff? Some people are spirits. Why that church? Why that you know? Why that philosophy? You can see them. They yeah. walk. Or you can. I mean, as soon as they walk in the door. Knowing what happens when you trained your body the way you did and you trained your mind the way you did, when you throw that spirit in there, you train all three of them. Most people don't do that. Most people no. train one. And by default, <laughs> the others pick up just haphazardly. And so you'll always be stuck in that one grind. If you give each one of them the opportunity to not only be trained individually, they'll train themselves and they'll put themselves in life experiences to, to, to kind of harden those in there. I mean, life's that hammer. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like it just boom. And when something gets nailed on to us like it did, I mean, they tacked our spines down. I mean, walking yeah. around with metal, like titanium, that's the coolest thing I ever thought when they were like, hey, we're going to put a bunch of metal on you. I mean, on like an inside. So if I get shot, it'll ricochet. That's what I always thought. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you could come at me with anything. <laughs> and no matter what you did to me, I was like, sweet. Is that an upgrade? I'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> totally, I mean, why, why totally. not? I mean, that's just the yeah. only way you can look at it. Anyway, anything else just is, is demoralizing, not only to yourself, but everybody around you. So every time I get my ass whipped, I'm like, sweet, that was an upgrade. That's what that yeah. was. You, you, you got that at a young age. Let's take a second to... And like maybe maybe it ties into this some way is like is having a good sense of humor about it all. Like they're even in like those low moments, like I was still able to like just find a way to like smile and laugh and lighten it up. Um, because I needed like if I didn't have any sort of humor through all of this, I would just be like crushed, depressed. Like I wouldn't be able to keep moving forward because I would just be filled with so much negativity. And um, I remember, so it was about like two weeks in my injury. I started getting spasms, like a lot of spasms. I didn't know what was going on, um, but it was just my spine, like not being able to send signals. So I started getting these things in my legs where my legs would like shoot out and they just like reverberate like crazy. Like nobody knew what was going on. It wasn't, didn't like hurt. It was just like uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, my teammates would come over and visit me. They have like a whole visiting schedule to make sure I never spent like a day alone. And one of my buddies comes over with his brother and a couple others. And we were just like talking, you know, hanging out. And he, uh, he puts his hand on my leg and like elicits one of these spasms. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm using this. So I start saying like, John, like I can walk. Oh my gosh. Like you healed me. I'm fine. Like I'm totally good. Like, what did, what did you do? Do it again. He's like, these guys are like freaking out, you know? And, uh, I mean, here we are like in a hospital, like everything, everything should just be like depressing and sad. Sure. Um, 
but like, like there has to be like some way for that to break through. Um, because like life is to be enjoyed. Like it's not all, all about just overcoming a challenge and like putting in work. I mean, there's like happiness has to be a component like being able to smile and laugh. And, oh yeah. Um, that's something that really helped me. Well, I mean, it turns out electric, yeah. th- that those sensations that that is, you know, that's your spine firing those signals that would yeah. normally that you wouldn't feel that's because they regenerate the movement. So like mm-hmm. when that, when it's, I don't know what you're talking about that feeling when that it's like a, the wires are exposed and it's kind of like, goes through your body. Doesn't hurt. Right. It doesn't hurt, but it's kind of sure. That's, that's, a, that, that's how amazing the human body is. I mean, that's like a, a current that runs all that. Just like a machine. It's like a race yeah. car. All right. So let's go back. You receive the anointing of the sick. You've got your MRI, you're going into surgery and what happens? Yeah. So at that point I say my prayers with my family, uh, say goodbye to my family. Then they roll me into the operating room, you know, close my eyes, just say, Hey, I mean, give give it all you got. Um, I I really want to make sure I wake up from this thing was like, that was like my biggest concern because I just wanted to wake up. That's what I was like praying to God about is I, I, I want to be able to live. Like I, I would rather be able to, to live and not be able to move my body at all than not live and not, not have it. I got, you know, I got a life I want to lead and I want, I want this to be a good life. So anyways, doctor does an amazing job. Um, he, he does it perfectly. Of course I wake up. Um, but the surgery was done in a way that gave me a lot of room for regeneration and it wasn't super invasive on the spinal cord too. Um, but then I have a whole nother fight because I couldn't swallow anything. So my neck muscles just got super weak. Uh, and I had a lot of inflammation in my throat too. So whatever that flap is that covers your windpipe, when you swallow molecular, mine was getting stuck. Yeah. That was, mine was getting stuck. So, you know, I'd be trying to take a sip of water. He knows, food. he knows every oh, body I, part, yeah, by the way. Pretty like good pull, dude. He literally knows every body part. Epiglottis. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got all that. He can name everything. Yeah. I would have said, yeah, no matter what you said. Well, yeah, sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure it's a molecular. Yeah, right up past the uvula. Flap sounds good. I hope that's right. Yeah, yeah, I that, that just popped in there. I hope that's nothing <laughs> down near the... Uh... <laughs> Not the other yeah. way. <laughs> hey, I either yeah. agree with you or just threw you the, a freaking insult that you'll never, ever, I'll never live down, but I'm kidding. No, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so this thing, this thing isn't doing what it's supposed to do. So when I'm trying to like eat or drink, um, stuff's going into my lungs and that's extremely problematic, right? For anyone in any case, but I couldn't cough. Uh, my diaphragm was mostly paralyzed with all like, so like muster up. Like when you say when it was paralyzed, was it compl- like completely paralyzed? No hiccups? No, like it- partially. Partially okay. my diaphragm was paralyzed. So um, so I could still breathe. Like I could take shallow breaths. Right. Um, but I couldn't like fill my lungs up and give a good cough. Yeah. So if something got stuck in my windpipe, I couldn't do anything. We had to have a nurse or a doctor come over and do like a, they call it a quad cough is put their hands right below your sternum and they start pushing down scary for me. Right. Cause I'm just sitting there like choking, not able to, to say anything. Can't like press the buttons to call the nurses and stuff. I can't move my hands. So, um, but you know, we got through that. They put a tube up my nose and down in my stomach. Oh, and it took three days yeah, to yeah, get in there. Freaking, those are awesome. Yeah, they're great. Um, but, uh, but I mean that, that kept me eating, but I mean, I was shedding weight quick. I lost 60 pounds in a month, um, because I wasn't eating, I wasn't moving and all this work I put into building up that mass my whole life. I mean, it was gone in a month. I went from 240 to 180 in a month. And then 
I got pneumonia too. So that's dangerous for anyone, right? But particularly dangerous for me, because like I said, I couldn't cough. So all this stuff would get into my windpipe. And I mean, here I am just fighting, fighting to breathe, really. Um, I mean, it was scary. I, there was a lot of late nights of just thinking about what the hell had happened to me and uh, what my future was going to look like too. But like that control your mindset verbiage just kept coming up in my brain. Like, you know, doctor comes in and it's 3 a.m. And he says, we got to do an hour long breathing treatment. I had to do it. Like it didn't, didn't matter how tired I, I was. I needed to live. I needed to breathe. So I'm going to do these breathing treatments. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I still, I, I'm talking about a lot of negative stuff right now, but there was a lot of positives no. too. Because, no, 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 no. That, this you know, isn't the negative. This is the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I mean, I, I don't know what Superman had to go through to become what he was, but look what, or Deadpool. Like when they strangle you, man, and like they they beat you down and you don't die, that that's a thing. Like when you come mm-hmm. back, every time you get sick, you come back harder. You don't get battle, you get mm-hmm. battle hardened. All right. Mm-hmm. And then when your mind figures that out, that's where that confidence, like a fuel that sets inside your body, and, and yeah. it can never be taken away from you. Yeah. Once you cocoon up and transition past something, you can't go backwards. You you just become something else. The, the mm-hmm. hard part is trying to figure out what that was, and especially after some ass weapons that like we've been taking lately, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it puts perspective to it all. I mean, that's one of the greatest gifts that my injury has given me is the gift of perspective. Because um, before my injury, you know, I I trained hard for for sports, but I mean, what is that in the in the grand scheme of things? Really, um, I didn't I didn't ever suffer. I didn't know what it was like to suffer. I could struggle through something. But I never suffered through anything. And in that hospital room, I found myself suffering. And when I go through my day-to-day life right now, and, you know, I let's say I got to wake up early for work, or I've got to do a workout where, you know, now, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm training on walking again. I can walk about 300 yards in with the use of a standard walker now. Um, and in the beginning of it, you know, I'm kind of cruising along. By the end of it, I mean, I am screaming with every single step. And I remember it wasn't too long ago. I was just having a bad day with my neurological system and I'm trying to walk. And I mean, I've been fighting this thing for over 1700 days now, very intentional about each one of those days. And I was just kind of frustrated. And my mom has helped me with my rehab, giving me a spot behind and I'm like complaining. And I like stopped, I literally stopped. And I was like, old Robert Taylor would have just stood up and slapped me across the face right now if he could have, because this is such a gift just to be able to struggle to walk around my house. Like in that moment, in May 6, 2017, man, I would have given anything to have these small little things. Um, and I had to go through something tough to be able to gain that perspective. But, but that's a gift that I use in my life, and, and I can help give it to other people now. And it's become like my purpose, really. Oh, yeah. It's different yeah. when you get that. I've had the confidence knocked out of me, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's tough. When you, yeah. when, because it, it depends on which confidence was knocked out. Like your body confidence, or, uh, that's different. Then your mind confidence, because if your body's still in shape and your mind is uh, is not, it won't know how to drive it, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like you could have like this awesome like mind. I was like, it's kind of like people who work out and stop for a long time, and they go back in. It's like, oh, I used to be able to do three fifty and just try to throw that sucker right at man. That's not how it works. Yeah. You got to rhythm that sucker back in it, and it's uh, it takes those. It takes those those. Imagine most people spend a lifetime to get the body and the ass whipping that you've already gotten in a short amount of time. So it front loaded all that stuff into you. 
it front load. You said perspective. That's a beautiful word because most from zero to 40, you just have an opinion. You ain't seen enough. 40 to mm-hmm. 60 is your perspective, then wisdom, she'll roll in later, right? The mm-hmm. fact that, when, but if you put that pressure, like if you, for whatever reason, if life crunched you, like it, it like a diamond's formed through pressure, yeah. whatever that's, whatever it's building on the inside of you, man, is going to come out eventually. Mm-hmm. That's just the way, that's the way it is, man. All right. It's like you literally been, in, you got, got, you got it all up front. Like mine was spread out, right? And youth is a tool and age is rank. So, man, no matter what you're getting into, man, because don't worry, it'll change. If you're upset about something, it'll change. If you're happy about it, don't worry, it'll change too, bro. I was having a – if it wasn't for this woman right here, some of my days – and it's not the things that you that aggravate that you think. Like ass women's that you take now are like stuff that you could normally just easy day. Yeah. Like nitinoid stuff is what will get you. Like I didn't get to eat lunch today, and all I wanted – He was hangry. I was – <laughs> Son, all I wanted to do was eat lunch. And I'm talking about everything got in my way. I got caught in I was trying walking out of the church. No one would believe the stuff that happens to me unless there's witnesses. We and I to, mean we had to go the door up. grabbed me and I got stuck in this door jam, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean stuck. I couldn't my my whole right side was wedged and I had these flowers buckets in it's the funniest there was a video camera right here this happened r- this, this is why we were late to late. get on with you I was we stuck were in, right in the door. church not I wasn't at church I was stuck in <laughs> the church in the doorway we in had the, to go pick up some flowers dude, from church dude Jesus grabbed me by the pants dude was like hold on for a second <laughs> all I wanted was a damn sandwich man I, and, and I and everything got in my way and that's how they get me. Because then I was supposed to come in here and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to motivate you, bro, like you can't believe. And I, when I walked in here, man, I was having a moment. Yeah, he was hangry for <laughs> sure. I, I was, most definitely. And then I, you know, I look up at you, and, and I was like, all right, there's, there's guys out there that got to pull their strings, you know, and it got pulled early. Are like, you 24? Mm-hmm. 25 right now. Okay, I was mm-hmm. trying to do the math on it. So you're our son's age. Yeah. He's, he'll be 24 okay. in uh, two weeks. And I, yeah, it's a give and take, man. It's a it's a give and yeah. take. I mean, because every day, everybody, you got to get tried. Like it's got they got to mm-hmm. push you somehow. How mm-hmm. I get my ass kicked is hilarious. I mean, you can you can make comedy movies out of it now. What you what you've gone through in your life ahead of you, man, you can't you can't even believe you're not you're just in training still. You're still prepping. Mm-hmm. I always look at it like that, man. The minute you get down on yourself, you can't believe what everybody else get around you. Well, wait. So you get to you get through your surgery, and you're having this hard time breathing, and the hard time with your throat and everything. At what point did you were you able to even move? So my so in the beginning when I couldn't move anything, that was more like spinal shock. So it wasn't like a chronic injury that caused me not to be able to move anything from my neck down. Um, but I'd say probably just like in the first three days my body started waking up and having more like a long-term presentation of like your typical C5-6 injury. So I couldn't move my triceps. So I couldn't like put my arm above my head. I couldn't itch my nose, had nothing in my hands. Um, and then from about like halfway to the chest down, uh, not a single movement. I mean, not a twitch. And then I had like deep pressure sensations. So you could have put like a knife in my leg and it wouldn't have hurt, but I'd say, oh, there's something there which these things become really relative when an injury like this happens. So that was a good thing. I meant I have an incomplete injury, but I didn't get any movement below my injury level till six weeks into my injury. Um, it was an exercise I would do every day, multiple times a day, 
when it was like a low point in my rehab, but just kind of like a break or like late at night and I couldn't sleep, I would try to move each of my muscles. So I'd start up with like my upper traps, just shrugging my shoulders. Like I'd do it 20 times. And then I'd move a little bit further down, like to my triceps. I'd be like laying on my back, trying to like extend my arm out. Man, I get nothing. Like squeeze your hand, squeeze your hand, Robert, nothing. All the way down to my toes. Explain and that. Explain what nothing is. What does that mean? <sighs> so I, I mean, uh, no, then, no in your movement. mind, in your mind, you're like, okay, normally you don't have to think about stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I would be like, all right, I'm going to be a, I'm going to turn myself into a thought. And I'm going to run down from my head down into where it's at and yell at whatever's in the way of that mm -hmm. to try and just to feel the footsteps of my thought. I mean, that's how I had mm -hmm. to do it. Right. And then you kind of get the that's me too. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I so would, if you're in the hospital bed, are you able to even move your arms or there's just no control of movement? That's okay. So I could, um, I could probably like touch my chest or something like that at first. Or, um, I mean, bear, like kind of move my arms, maybe a few inches off the bed or something for the first few days. Um, and then, but like, like I said, nothing in my hands, stuff like that. So it probably wasn't until like a couple weeks into it when I had good control of my shoulders, my biceps, and I could move my wrists up like this, but that was it. So I could, I couldn't like, if I was laying back, I couldn't itch my nose because my tricep would just flop. So, I mean, it was like, I just had like this floppy arm i could move my shoulder but not the other muscle to like to keep my keep my arm up above my head so i found myself in a place where i really couldn't do anything uh for myself i could speak um and think which is an amazing thing i, I just can't, <laughs> can't imagine if i didn't it have says that right? dude yeah yeah and i met a lot of people who didn't have that too um because when re things really started changing around for me was that one month point when I found a new hospital called Craig Hospital, and they're right outside of Denver, Colorado, they specialize in spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury recovery. And I show up there and I mean, everyone's dealing with the same situation as me. Some of them worse. Like I'm thinking this is not going to be some pick me up of a place, right? This isn't going to be some pretty picture. And man, I show up and they're these patients, like they're all just like happy. They got smiles on their faces. You kind of want to like shake them by the shoulders and say, you know, Hey, you're supposed to be sad and depressed. Like, what are you doing? I mean, do you, like blink twice if you need me to help you escape out of here. It was just like, it was so surreal, but that was the mindset of this place. And I like, I loved it. I dug it. And I talked to them. I'd, I'd say, I'm like, work me harder than you've ever worked anyone ever before. I am 100% dedicated to this. I unenrolled from UC Berkeley for a year. I was like, I'm not going on some vacation to Denver, Colorado and, and go around the Rocky mountains. I came here to move my body again. Um, because in the end of the day, like I always knew I would be okay if I wasn't able to walk again, or I wasn't able to like move my hands and have my independence back. Like I'm going to be okay with that because I saw a lot of people who are quadriplegics and wheelchairs. They live very good lives, happy lives. That's going to be okay. But if I look back on the end of the day and I know that I didn't give it everything I had, that would eat me, eat at me forever. I wouldn't be okay with that. So I showed up to Craig and I was ready to go. And it was about nine hours of rehab a day. And it's just like what you were talking about, Marcus, of, of like just trying to find that track somewhere in your head. I mean, thinking of like just sending a signal and, and routing it throughout your spinal cord to do something like be able to open up your hand. I mean, I found myself doing things like for rehab. I started off just try, trying to pick up marbles and put them into another jar or a really basic things, try to feed myself, try to, um, 
try to just be able to wiggle my toes and it like started to wake up. So the first bit of movement I got was in my hamstring. I was doing that exercise, moving my muscles, head to toe, and I was focused on the hamstring. It was my left hamstring. And I was laying on my right side, just staring at that hamstring, trying to see something. And I got like a little tiny twitch. I mean, it was like blank and you miss it. Um, but it was something I look again, I twitch it again. My mom wasn't in the room. I mean, I, I call her into the room. I call all the nurses, like everyone and their mother to watch me twitch this freaking hamstring. But when I saw that, I was said, okay, like game on, we've got a signal going all the way from my brain down to my legs. Like I can work with this and the hospital staff, I mean, they, it was like smelling blood in the water too. They're like, Hey, look, we're going to get you up into these exoskeleton apparatuses. We're going to be hooking East M onto your legs. We're really going to work with this. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, Hey guys, like I can twitch my hamstring, but uh, like, don't go too far. I ain't walking around, but uh, I mean, well, man, they got that's, that, that. yeah, that's where that schoolhouse comes in. Cause with us, that's exactly what it is. It's like, if I can swallow and give me this thought, then I can roll it all the way down and just see, all you need to do to get rid of that complete depression is, is see that little twitch. Mm -hmm. Then you can actually go back to bed and rest for a little bit. All you needed to know was there was that connection there. And when they came in with all that hardware on me, I was like, whatever you want to put on me is fine. I'll take, you know, make me grow eight feet. The armor, you got an Iron Man suit, throw that thing in there yeah. too, dude. I'll be like that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the RoboCop series. I, I mean, I, I yeah. didn't have anything. What else? I didn't have anything else. And, uh, and then it was, it was like a cool story. Uh, for whatever they, it is with us, man, that's a thing. It's like, man, that's a damn cool story. It just yeah. is. I mean, uh, who else going to do it? Somebody got to do it. Mm -hmm. It's an honor yeah. to get these, these, these uh, it's a privilege, man, to take pain. And when she's done with you, she'll leave you. But what's what's left in there is the work she did. Everything mm -hmm. she busts up while she's inside of you, that's one thing. But what she's fixing in there and what she leaves is something completely different. Mm -hmm. If you get if you get mad about you know everything how 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 she works, then that's that's one thing. You can get hung up on that for sure. But man, it's not it's it's tough to look past that, especially when you're born into the body, like born into the body. It's it's tough, man. The weirdest yeah. thing for guys like us is when they take that away. I mean, I, you want to talk about I didn't know what to do when I couldn't feel. It's almost like getting put into an avatar and learn how to drive it again. Like, all right, what does this feeling do? What does this thought make this this do? That kind of deal? Yeah. But when you got everybody around you and the people on that flow, that flow state, man, it's like that, that, that energy will perpetuate itself. It's like hooking mm -hmm. you up to car batteries. It's like, yeah. man, we'll put so much charge in your ass that you can't even believe it. <laughs> Matter of fact, man, hey, you get to where you walk and you ever want to, you get to where you run a marathon, I'll do it with you. And that says a lot. Y'all heard me, man, because <laughs> I don't run. <laughs> Whoa. That's big. I mean, like, at all. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I'm just throwing out a, I'm not oh trying to bribe gosh. you or anything like that, but if you get to where you run a marathon, you call me up and you say that, I'll do it with you. Oh, my gosh. I'll complain the whole way. I might even hit you. <laughs> oh. There could be a possibility I might strike you. <laughs> I can take it. I can take it. Consider that a deal. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah, he hates running. I don't even walk to my damn mailbox anymore, man. Not after I had to go through all that stuff. No, sir. Oh, my man. brother's an ultra runner. David Goggins is one of my best friends. They're always like, let's come out and let's go run. I'm like, man, I would rather 
No. No. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I, if you need to... Last time I did this, was I just got out of a heart. And I'm pure, I'm clear-headed. Like, last time I, I got trapped in this, I, I was in, in the hospital. He was not clear-headed. I was not clear-headed. He had <laughs> an IV of I was feeling no pain. Morphine. I'm feeling pain right now, and I'm happy, and I'm making you this, giving you my word I'll do that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you're going to regret that, because by the end of my workouts here, I'm just going to be pushing that much more. <laughs> yeah, I'll do I'll do some boxing training, too, try and harden up my we'll chin see. if I do. If you don't I have do enough that. time on the earth to get past me with a pissed off <laughs> if you have to get damn run. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, we're not going to win the damn thing. You understand me? <laughs> no. All right. Finishes a win. Oh man, <laughs> I know oh he's gonna gosh. get it done too. Should I put it like a by, by the end of the year? I need you running a marathon by the end of the year, and bro, I'll be there with you. <laughs> How about we start with a five k? Right. No, oh, that's weak, man. No, that's, that's freaking weak. weak. Yeah, I'm gonna hurt myself. I'm gonna hurt myself. If he could do a five k, that would be pretty awesome. I don't want to hear about all that mess. I can do that. When you oh get to that God. marathon stage, call me. You call me. I'll fly with you. Oh my gosh. So tell me, like, what is I'll your... bring Goggins. Who else would get in there? I'll get every ultra runner I could find and do that with me. Oh my gosh. What oh my did gosh. your mom say when you could first move your legs? Yeah, I, we, I don't even remember what words were said because we were just like crying about Aww. it. I mean, my mom, I'm a total mama's boy, right? And I mean, my mom, she like, she runs the house. I mean, she's just got it all together. And uh, no person has stood by my side like my mom did. I mean, she, she spent the first three months of my injury sitting in a chair, sleeping in a chair rather uh, during the nights. Cause you know, if I needed a little something like, I mean, just, just you know, like moving my leg or moving, moving my arms, my hands, like anything like that. I needed someone to help me do that at first. And she was there every second I mean, she she was probably the one who kept me alive too with that pneumonia stuff because she was the one slamming down on my lungs at first at first the doctors nurses told them told her that she couldn't do it she's like i will not watch my son die um so she stepped in and started doing that i mean she has just been with me every step of the way and um i truly wouldn't be where i am if it weren't for her um, <laughs> that, no I, kidding I was, pal she's the one who brought you in here yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a mama's boy. I'm one of them. Yeah. And yeah. I've had my ass whipped so bad back to my mother. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, her her wrapping your chest, her way getting you back for causing all that pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, but the straight gate to heaven is your mama. It's when she checks on board, she's like, he's good. He was good to me the whole time. So there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. Take pride in it. I mean, they're the ones that raise warriors, anyways. The matriarchal yeah. family here. That's a that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, always be good to her, man. Oh, no, so she she's, was- she's amazing. We shared some extremely incredible experiences. We, um, one real one in particular that was a big deal was we went over to Lord's France on a religious pilgrimage. Now, Lord's, um, might have heard of it before, but it's known to be a place of miraculous healing. So it was about, about a year after my injury, actually, a year to the day they invited us to, to be on this trip on my one year anniversary of my injury. Um, and so we go over there and I mean, obviously like I'm thinking I'm probably not going to get healed and like walk out of, out of the waters that you bathe in. Um, but like I'm game, right? Like l- let's give this a shot. I, I wouldn't be too upset if that happened. So, you know, we get on the plane trip over there, the order of Malta is who invited us out. And it's just amazing. I think they bring like 125,000 people from all over the world to come in for this pilgrimage every year. 
Um, so I go over there and um, there was this beautiful like life-size stations of the cross that were going on, but it was up a hill and there was gravel and you know, I'm using a wheelchair, right? And those, you know, these little tires, they get stuck in the gravel. And um, so we had a group of people who decided to take that on when normally most people would say like, hey, it's not accessible. Like, sorry, that's just not going to happen. And they'd be like, no offense taken on my part, right? But they they stepped up to the plate. So it was the Bishop of the Sacramento Diocese, a couple of um, volunteers out there. And then this one guy who was also out there to seek healing, he was, he was battling cancer, um, you know, fresh off chemotherapy, no hair anywhere, usually had a nice big thick unibrow. Um, awesome. But there, you know, there wasn't there. I mean, this guy was, he was clearly fighting for his life with one functioning lung. Um, and he's like pushing me up this hill and one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And at the end of it, there's kind of like this little cave is what it looks like. And, uh, but it wasn't really accessible from the entrance that we saw. So my mom and this other, the cancer patient's wife go in to check this out. They come out, I mean, like in tears, they're like, this is so beautiful. You got to find a way in here. And luckily we did find kind of like a pathway in on the other side and in there, it was the statue of Mary holding crucified Jesus in her arms and like looking up at the sky, mourning, weeping um, with her son there. And, you know, immediately like my mom broke down, I broke down um, just like witnessing like how powerful mother's love is. And um, I mean, there was, there was you know, even a, even a greater realization I got out of this and was kind of like my miracle of Lords. We all got together afterwards, all of us like sick and injured people kind of just sharing our story about the trip. And I was like reflecting on this experience, um, talking about, you know, Edgar, who's battling cancer, got one functioning lung, pushing me up this hill and just all the experiences that I had over that last year. It was the first time I said I might not walk again and actually meant it. If that whole year, I'd have to say it to like my nurses and doctors to kind of get them off my back, you know, because if I, if I say like, oh, I'm going to walk again, I won't accept anything else. Um, then they start giving you all these speeches about, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And I just like, I wasn't about it. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to That's because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, damn, dude, that bothers me. So those are the ones that graduated last out of med class. They're still fools, still yeah. doctors. And I talk like this because I'm in, I know medicine a little bit, but I yeah. know the first damn thing is that Hippocratic oath says do no harm. And them suckers mm-hmm. are coming in there telling you like, oh, you ain't going to make it. Dude, when Halfley got shot, a doc said that he wasn't going to live. Mojo slammed his ass through that wall. Now look, it's all about who you got around you. I'm, a doc's like, yeah. well, you guys like, well, man, because you, you, you don't want me to prove your diagnosis wrong because you didn't study. Yeah. Yeah. Because any, any doctor worth his salt knows that the human body and the human mind are capable of anything. Well, and those doctors mm-hmm. don't have faith. That's, that's my point. They ain't been around mm-hmm. long enough to see miracles. Any scientist, you'll, you'll, even scientists, like they'll be like, well, this is why this is this. And all of a sudden, this magically happens. And then we get this. And I was like, whoa, back it up a second, Hoss. You said magic. That means you don't know. That yeah. means that in every realm, there's something that one of them can't figure out. That's God's little perfection of how he does things. Yeah. So the, the magic words you want to hear, like, please and thank you and you're welcome, is when somebody says, oh, man, you're not the right person for this. Or you're not, you're not going to be able to do this. If you hear that, that's what that's the trigger. I mean, like literally, they can tell you do this puke. I mean, if you hear that phrase come out of their mouth, that means you're in the right spot. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what that means. One hundred percent. Seeing it too many, I just know how this works. I mean, I, I just know how this works, man. You know what I mean? That and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Remember, I told you that. I will. I will. 
Hold on, but, I, wa- um, I want to f- hear the rest. It's of like the... when I get to that damn marathon. <laughs> to run with your ass. He's not gonna be happy about so that. So I'm not gonna be happy about that. <laughs> I want you to remember that, Robert. When I from here, when you call me on the phone, be like, "Hey, I made it. We're gonna run." I'm be like, "You must." I'm not happy you. about that. And then I'll get there, and I'm be like, "Hey, I love you, man. Good job. I'm proud of you." I, I'm not gonna be happy about having to run that damn marathon. He might it's all you can think about. That's all you can think about yeah. now. We're gonna break some records of how fast I'm be chasing your ass to try yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the rest of the uh, the pilgrimage because that's somewhere that I really want to go. I actually just looked it up. Um, I was showing my friend on Friday. I was looking up that cave. That's so yeah. crazy, but. Okay, so I'll tell you what, then, or we could just race up that freaking mountain we're going to <laughs> We'll go back to France and race up that mountain. Yeah, well, you're just trying to get out of 26 miles. I am, dude. I swear to <laughs> Sometimes my own motivation can get me in freaking trouble, but that's all right. It's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, but, but going back to the story, um, I mean, that was the first time I said, like, I might not walk again. And I actually meant it. But then I said, but I'm going to be a damn good man and I'm going to live a damn good life no matter what happens, because I have these living angels around me, like able to get me to do the things that I can't do myself. And this injury, like while it took so much away from me, it gave me so much more. And what it gave me, that keeps me going to this day. And is why if somebody asked me like, Robert, if you could go back and change what happened to you, I wouldn't that single thing that makes this a net positive is the ability to inspire other people. And that's something that I would not have had if I was just playing rugby. It's just become my purpose for my life. Like I love my life. I'm proud of who I am. And I had to have that by having all these challenges and getting through these things. And it was, it was just so crazy of an experience that, you know, one year to the day on my injury that um, that I could have a realization like that. Now, like I'm, I'm still going to be putting in the work every single day. You can put that in the bank that I'm going to be fighting to walk again. And I'm going to look back on the day knowing that I gave it everything that I had, um, especially now that I have the added motivation now to get out and, and do a marathon. But, um, but <laughs> that, right, that walking again. that's just the fact that I challenged that. Like, we have to do it. We have to do a marathon. That's already in the books. You just yeah. got to find the yeah. damn date. I should have put a year date on just to make sure. I <laughs> Too late. Like, I didn't have to do it, and I could just watch you. <laughs> we could be your cheerleader. Oh, dude. Uh, I know I'm going to have to do it. I can feel it. My legs can feel it. They're like, I'm. Right <laughs> can you believe that? They're already hurting. No, I haven't run you know, since, since I got thrown down that mountain, and I didn't even run down that damn thing. I rolled, you rolled down, down, down it. Gravity to the bottom. My gosh. Oh, God. So, what are you doing now? I don't even look cool while I'm running either, bro. Yeah. I'm a mumble the whole time. Sorry, now. we've like, taken up so much time. Yeah, what are you? So fast forward real quick. So you went through your year pilgrimage, and then yep. when did you actually take your first steps? Because aren't so you first on steps, a walker now? Yeah, that was actually before the pilgrimage. So that was about eight months into my injury. And like here, I thought this was going to be like the pinnacle of my life. 
right? Taking my first steps for a second time. And I was like, I was getting there slowly, but surely that twitch was turning into a full contraction. And my muscles are just kind of waking up one by one to where I had movement in every single one of my muscles. Now, some were stronger than others, quicker than others, right? But all the pieces were adding up for me to be able to just pick that foot, put it inches in front of the other. So um, for a long time, I was doing my rehab suspended up by a harness so that I couldn't fall down. Um, but then eventually we're going to take the leap of faith to get rid of that harness, um, get me up into my walker and start moving forward. And, um, you know, I did it. Like I took a step, took another step, man. I went all the way down the basketball court and back, uh, my first time walking without that harness. And like, I sat down and, uh, you know, I give like my best friend just happened to be there in Denver. And he was like my weightlifting buddy before my injury stuff. Like I'm giving fist pumps, like we're, we're, you know, we're enjoying the moment, but then it's kind of like, okay, like get on to your next workout, Robert. And then like, I go, I do my workout and I was kind of like, man, like, like that was it. You know, there wasn't like, you know, adrenaline rushing all over my brain. Like the part, the clouds didn't part and like a you know majestic light come down upon me. I mean, I just like walked down a basketball court and back. And like, that's when I like really realized that we can't wait to give ourselves happiness. Like we can't wait to start enjoying our life until something happens. Um, it was like, it was kind of like a warning sign for me. Like, don't think that you have to be out of your wheelchair to live a good life. Don't think that's your only criteria. Like start finding a way to enjoy every day right now. Like have those goals, be ambitious, make the most out of this one life that you have. Um, but don't think that one, one little thing happening in your life is going to change everything because it's going to happen. And then you just do it. You just start walking. So, yeah. Okay. Well, check it yeah. out when those, so, when the, when the big, the lightning and the clouds and all that open stuff <laughs> like that, man, that's a moment. It truly is. Yeah. Yeah. And then people, you know, the human dynamic, you forget about it real quick. So imagine mm -hmm. that moment it's thrust that's in there and that walk down the basketball course, like a forward moment. Yeah. It's like to unveil itself so slowly that the whole time you're down here is that moment as opposed to yeah. seeing it that one, that one time and then it's over. Right. Yeah. It's like you get to carry this whole thing up into the point where we got to run that damn race. All right. But that's, that's <laughs> it. Gonna... That's how it works, man. It's like the minute you, you saw that, the, the, the horrible part and then the end, the end game, man, it already started again. So you mm -hmm. push those little, those little victories. Or is that that shining sky splitting moment over and over again? And then at one point it will, and then you'll remember the whole thing as opposed to that slight moment. It's trust me, it's better this way. So have <laughs> it's you, better this way. Have you seen your doctor again that told you that you wouldn't be able to walk again? Or? Tell me that dude's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I haven't seen him actually. Um, we we've never spoken. I'm sure that he's seen my progress because my stories it's been pretty popular, like in the area, Bay area, Northern California, stuff like that. And I mean, the thing about this doctor, like he's not a bad guy, right? Yeah. This wasn't news that he wanted to deliver like 99 times out of a hundred. He actually would have been right. He was just trying not to give me false hope. Horse shit. The horse shit. Don't no, no, no. Yeah. Wait, no, I'm not no. Even, no, you're not doing that. Man, you got a nice guy. I know plenty of nice guys that shouldn't be doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no, a difference no. between a healer and somebody who motivates you as opposed to somebody who's like, man, you just, I'm going to throw you away because you kind of, I'm sorry. I've, I've yeah. had too many docs. When I walk, when they come wheeling me in there, my doc's like, let's see if we can get this joker to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they just, they're, 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 they'll stand by. 
that's what I had at Craig hospital, right? Like they, they were perfect. And like, I'm not trying to defend him or what he said. I'm just saying like, he's not just like inherently a horrible person. Yeah. Um, but the thing I was, I was trying to get to is it's, he was trying not to give me false hope, but he could have given me false hopelessness. And that's, that's worse than giving someone false hope because I mean, what if I were to have taken his words as fact and not gone for it? I mean, I certainly wouldn't be here today having this conversation. I might not even have been here at all when I really had to fight through it. So I haven't spoken to that doctor before. Um, but I mean, that's something for everybody to realize who has to deliver news to some person is to take the Craig hospital approach. And what they did is they're like, we don't know what's going to happen. You might walk out of these doors one day. You very well might not. But the one thing we do know is we're going to give it everything we've got to yeah. fight this thing. And that was like, that was perfect. I don't know, but we're going to give everything that we have. Well, man, that's, yeah. that's the difference in doctors. And I go back to that Hippocratic oath, do no harm. And then thou shalt not kill because you can kill the spirit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't, aren't strong like you. And when their doctor says something to them, like that white coat, when you see that, that's a that's a privilege we give you. Yeah. Because when you say, take this, do that, we freaking do it. Like mm -hmm. if you say, hey, man, you're not coming back, they'll tell people, man, you ain't going to live three months and them suckers will die. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're just, man, it's, it's almost like the instruction manual just told you to turn, you know, that kind of deal. No. Man, you tell them, like, hey, you're capable of anything and everything you want to do. It's up to you. I, I, I put you together. I just don't, you know, when it comes to docs, man, there shouldn't be any of that. You ain't going to do this. You ain't going to do that. He's like, I, I just don't. I never well, had any of those doctors. It also goes mm. back to. I never had one of them dudes. To faith because the doctors that Craig knew that they, they aren't in control. Yeah. That, Got that's, it. That's right. Yeah. So, uh. and it's really up to him. Yeah. They don't know if he'll be able to walk again, but. They're going to try everything and through faith, through will, through um, work and determination, it can happen. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, Man, look at him right now. I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, but that, that shows you it's whether it's a doctor or a person or a victim or whatever it is, if you don't have faith, then you're just stuck. Because there's nothing else to live for. You, mm -hmm. you were injured. You were whatever it is. I mean, no matter what kind of victim it is, if you don't have faith, what else is there to live for? Yeah, once everything else got beaten and broken. Yeah. That, I mean, that you have to have that. And the people that end up pulling themselves out of darkness is because they have faith that there is something brighter on the other side. That's why guys like us get cast down in there. I was like, if you if you didn't break some of the guys who had the faith and send them down into hell, then everyone down there would be miserable. I mean, there'd be no way to get out. There'd be no way to turn your life around. You actually yeah. have to hurt some of the good ones. It's not even a hurt thing. It's like a reconfiguring, right? Get your ass down in there and help some folks. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's how you have to look at it. Because that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, there's this... There's a saying, it's uh, God gives his toughest challenges to his, to his toughest soldiers. Damn right and, he does. Yeah. That's, that's, that's There's like an honor in that. Lines. We have our own little gallery in heaven with all our wardrobe. It's like, hey, man, <laughs> you're part of that. I'm serious. Like, we come kicking the doors in and going there to eat, bro. Just wait till you see what that place looks like. So, yep. so you, you did go back to school, right? And you finished. That's school. right. Mm -hmm. So, I, I went on that trip to Lords after a year. And then, and then after that one year of 
really just a hundred percent dealing with my rehabilitation. Then I returned back to UC Berkeley um, to get my degree uh, from the Haas School of Business, Business Administration. And um, I mean, it was it was a grind, right? And I was really thrown into the deep end because I didn't want to have any caretakers. I at that point, like I had some good motion in my legs, my trunk was coming back, so I could get myself dressed and I could shower myself, uh, make make dinner, do all those little things that I needed to do. Um, but when like my phone falls on the ground, like under the table, I can't say like, you know, mom, like, come over here. I need you to help me pick up my phone. Or, um, I mean, it's me. Like sometimes I'd have to spend like a half hour just trying to do something like really simple like that. Um, but it was such a gift to be back at Cal, like living my life, the life that I always wanted to live. And I have my teammates by me every single second. We actually, so the Hills of Berkeley, like you all have probably been to San Francisco, that area. I mean, you know, it's just hills for days, right? And I don't care if you're the Lance Armstrong of wheelchair pushing, those hills are going to win. And I needed help. Bro, so, they make movies about the hills out there. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, unbelievable. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Not good for a wheelchair. You nah. know? So my teammates um, and my team, my coaches, we set up this spreadsheet of all my classes, my workouts, where I needed to be, when I needed to be there. And then my teammates would sign up for those slots to help me get around the campus and like just someone to talk to, you know, just someone to like be with. And I mean, they were lugging my body up all those hills and help me with my workouts. The training that I did for my rehab, because I wasn't going to stop that right, was with our associate head coach, Tom Billups. He's also our strength and conditioning coach. Like he didn't, I didn't even have to ask him. He started just coming up to me, um, made a couple trips out to Denver and he's like, okay, what do I need to start studying right now? What do we need to do? So that when you get to Cal, we can keep the foot on the gas. Some of my best progress was working out with Coach Billups, the rugby coach. I mean, that's it, that just speaks to the strength of the program. Um, that it doesn't matter if you got your name on the roster and oh, you're dude, throwing man. your jersey I mean, on to go compete. That's the best part about having the team. Hell, that's a workout in yeah. itself. Like sign the team up. It's like, hey man, you got to push his ass all over campus. That's today's workout. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. They, signed, they loved it. it oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's hard to forget that because you get into the situation and team environment where you always want to. You work out hard. You train hard for the other guy. It's like I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm measuring my spot just so I can be out here to watch you do your thing, dude. It's like magical yeah. to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you get hurt, it's like, and they're trying to take care. It's, you see a side of them that it's, it's the same side that we get when we're on the field, but it's just different, right? It's like, I, and they're trying to take care. I don't want you to take care of me. They're like, fool, I take care of you on that field every day. <laughs> That's right. I mean, why yep. the hell you think you can play? Because I'm covering down on you. So don't don't get on to me about doing it like when you get like this. It's the same yeah. thing. We just take our uniforms off and everything changes. You know, it looks differently, but... It is, man. It's that's what love is. It's tough and it's forgiving. It's all that. That's really mm -hmm. awesome, and it shows the character of your coach that he continued to show love and interest, you know, in your rehabilitation. And that's really cool that he did that. Yeah, he is just an amazing human being. I mean, you don't you don't see that happening a lot. I mean, uh, no programs. These injuries happen a lot. They happen every single day. Like people today are going to be breaking their necks. They're going to be taking on that challenge that I've been taking on for the last four and a half years, but almost nowhere do you see the kind of support that I've had. And it, I don't think it has anything to do with me. It has everything to do with them. Um, and just, just how good people they are. I'm just extremely grateful to everything that I had and like, but you gotta be, you gotta be able to like be willing to ask and accept help 
to that's something that that was tough for me to learn at first because I hated like asking for help before my injury, like especially with little simple things that anybody else can do. Um, but I had to like I had to be vulnerable that way, let the let that guard down and um be willing to ask for help because my life would have been a lot harder then and still now if I wasn't open to that. So had to have it. But I mean, they I wouldn't have graduated without my teammates um two years later. I wouldn't have been walking across that stage with Coach Billups isn't what if it wasn't for the two years that he put in um to help me get where I am today. I mean I I owe everything to that program, that team. So were you able to actually walk on the stage? Yeah, that's uh, right. So cool. when I graduated, that was like peak COVID. So that was uh I graduated in May of 2020. You know, this whole thing started in March of 2020. So you know ceremony was canceled and I was really looking forward to that. I worked my tail off of um to be able to have that accomplishment, right? That was like the light at the end of the tunnel, kind of. And then, I, you know, I was getting my degree. I was getting back on my feet to be able to walk across that stage. And then this whole pandemic hits, and it's like, sorry, Robert, that ain't gonna happen. Um, so, you know, of course, I was bummed at worst at first. But I don't know, there's a saying that I use when things like that happen. It's compared to what? So I'll be like, oh, you know, that's a bummer. But compared to what? You know, there's harder yeah. things out there in life. But August of uh, 2021, uh, just this last August, we were able to get 15,000 people over in an outdoor auditorium in Berkeley. And man, I was like, had this pregame jitters kind of feeling before that thinking, I can't screw this up because I actually, when I returned back to Cal, I walked on the the football field during a football game. So there's like 50,000 people there. And I was just going to walk about 10 yards, which is something that I did very regularly, very consistently, easily. But, you know, it changes when you got 50,000 people all like laser focused right on you. And um, I remember like I stood up and Coach Billups at the time had to kind of block my knees with his, his knees and give me a lift. And then I'd get in my walker. He'd go behind me and we'd go. And it was just so loud. You know, all these people were excited to have me back that we couldn't really communicate the way that we needed to. So I stood up and my hips weren't like totally under me. And then coach Billups went and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I started falling and I got a spasm where my knees went up to my chest, like a cannonball. And I'm like, this is the way the world ends, right? (laughs) Everyone's they're going to have to straighten up the field like roadkill right now. This is like not good. Uh, But coach Billups like bear hugged me, got me up. And, you know, I pretty much like cheated death in a situation like that. But I was thinking we can't repeat that for graduation. You know, you, you better me- measure twice, come once. And yeah, we did. I mean, it was just, it was perfect. It couldn't have been a, a greater moment. And I mean, talking about closing a really important chapter in my life. And when I came into Cal, I certainly didn't expect that it would end the way that it did. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And I mean, I left with so much more than a degree. This is, there's like life lessons and experiences that are going to help me in everything I do in my life. Oh, sure. So awesome. So are you working now or are you just speaking Mm -hmm. or what are you doing? Yeah. So I'm doing a couple of different things. One is I'm the executive director of the big C society. It's Cal's varsity letter winner society and alumni network. Um, so I help, you know, connect athletes with alumni, um, just build an affinity and pride for Cal because I love this school so much, means so much to me. Um, and then what I'm also doing, which I'm extremely excited about, and this is what I want to be like my full-time thing, all in going forward is speaking, is sharing the story and the tools that have helped me to overcome quadriplegia that other people can use to overcome the challenges 
that they face in their lives. And you know, like I was saying, this has become the purpose of my life. Like if I didn't have speaking or an opportunity like this to share my story, everything that I deal with would just be an added challenge in my life. Like my life would just be harder in every single way, like getting dressed in the morning. I mean, when I wake up, like I get those spasms where my, my legs are locking up and my fingernails are digging into the palm of my hands. I mean, there is no break from being paralyzed. There's so many challenges that I have to deal with. Everything's just a little bit harder, but it's all worth it when I can, you know, post videos online and see how it's impacting people's lives or go over, give a speech, like just open up my chest, take out my heart, put it in someone else's soul that they can use to overcome the challenges that they face in their lives. There is no greater purpose in my life. And it answers all those why questions that I ever had and I ever get when I'm thinking like, why do I have to keep going through this? Why can't I just walk? Why can't I just be normal again? It's so that I can deliver that message. And man, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I love speaking. I love sharing this story. I'm, that's, like, that's my goal in life is to be the best speaker I can possibly be to impact as many people as I can, turn this injury into a gift. Are you going to write a book? Yeah, so I'm in the process. So I've, I've got the first draft of my manuscript um, all wrapped up. Uh, so just doing some editing and then going to approach some publishers. So no one will, we'll see when that's like actually on a shelf. But um, I mean, this, these are things I'm, I'm really passionate about. It's, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. All right, badass. Check it out. Here's what we're going to do with you, man. There's going to be a new race called the Superman. All right. If you get put into the realm of the quadriplegic and you come out all the way to where you finish the marathon or an iron, like I, he's probably going to be an iron. Well, no, man, you right? have to do, I, if he's doing a marathon, you have to do it with him. I'm doing the marathon. I'm not doing the Iron Man. He's no. Doing... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've already been through all that. I'm just saying, <laughs> as far as for people to look to what a real uh, man of iron yeah. is made of, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's basically getting reborn again. That's why when you get yeah. whipped back to your mama, that's when you learn how to walk. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. knock need, you know, and she's like, oh, you look so cute in your walker. No, we don't. Uh, we know we don't, Ma, but I love you. Right. Right? <laughs> And then it's those baby uh-huh. steps. It's like trying to figure out what this does and how to rewire that thing when it's already in there. You get mm-hmm. through all that and the pace at which you're going, you're going to change. Well, you change lives every day. Are you, you married? Yeah. Not married, but I got a girlfriend of about two and a half years. We met over at Cal. And I mean, she's she's just amazing. She's okay. one of the best I gifts I ever had. I have a 24-year-old sister that's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Where do I'm only dudes running around? No offense to your girlfriend. Uh. I'm just saying. Yeah, get us in trouble with no. the misses already. No, no, no. We ain't even met her. No. So how can we support yeah. you? Where can where can our listeners uh, find you and follow you? Yeah, so you can find me on all social media platforms. Uh, I kind of got a monopoly on the name Robert Paler. There's there's not a lot of them out there, so uh, just easy search for that. Um, I mean, I got my website robertpaler.com. Um, but I mean, please, if you're inspired by this, reach out because if not for yourself, for me, because that's what keeps me going every single day. And on my Instagram, I post um, like a daily rehab video and I keep that day counter on there on the bottom left. So today is day 1752 since I had that injury and like, I'm going to rock it. I'm going to, I'm going to get out there and work out. And cause that's, that's what it's about for overcoming a challenge. Just like that daily consistent work. It doesn't have to be crazy intensity, but it's gotta be consistent. And, um, like, I hope that helps people that 
when they're going through a challenge and, and they're having a hard time just getting up and putting in work every day, um, that seeing me go out and do it helps them. Uh, it's just, it's a reciprocal relationship that, you know, keeps me going, keeps them going. So uh, that's the best way to follow me. That's awesome. All right, man. Did yeah. you stay in touch with your spiritual director? I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, we, we try to talk regularly and, um, I mean, he's helped me like through some of the darkest moments. And at the time he was a novice, he was becoming a priest. And, uh, but now he's, he's a priest out on the East coast and, um, he's just, he's an awesome person. I, I, I needed him and I, God spoke through him in some ways, uh, that I really needed in the beginning. That's awesome. Yeah. So Marcus yeah. is being baptized and confirmed in the church on Easter. Really? Yes. Congrats. Mm, let it be awesome. known. Yes, be. we're very excited. I'm very excited. So we just That's had great. our marriage blessed on Thursday. That's right. Yeah. I ain't seen nothing like this yet. Wait till I get that freaking. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Wait till I get that call. Yeah. <laughs> we're excited. That's great. Yeah. Robert, thanks so much, man. Yeah, man. I keep in touch. We're going to stay in we'll touch check, with yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch and we'll make sure we'll broadcast you, make sure everyone knows about you because there's, there's plenty of people that, that can absolutely benefit from what you're going to you've been through and what you're teaching and like, man, you're going to, your whole life is, is set up to be a coach. Like you're giving back and, and, a, and a motivation in itself. Those, those, those lights are strategically placed throughout the, the planet. You're one of them, man. So don't ever quit. Got me. We need to send his info Absolutely. to Jen. Yeah, we will. Roger that. I mean, and my, my gratitude goes to you. I, I just can't tell you how excited I've been about this. And I got a buddy who's um, he's going to be starting buds in a week actually. And I was, I was telling him about our conversation and, all my friends, like when I was in that hospital bed, um, I mean, the things that got me through that was your story, Marcus. That's like, that's what kept me breathing and going is just that, that never quit mindset. Um, so I mean, this is a conversation I'm going to remember forever. It really, it's, it means so much. Yeah, I want you to bro. I appreciate you. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate you all. All right, man.